I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. I just found out that I always thought there were only 25 letters in the alphabet. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Hello, friends. Okay. Welcome to <laughs> Season 1, Episode 3. We're so excited to be with you this morning. Uh, it's morning here. You may be listening at nighttime. I gotta stop doing that. But, we do um, that, yeah. Let's uh, share our joy junk Jesus. Jenna, you want to go first? Hello. Yeah, so my, let's see, my joy was um, last week, last week was my birthday, and my husband took us to Catalina, and it was 89 degrees, and it was beautiful, and we sat on the beach, and we watched boats go by, and we watched, oh, I played with a seagull. Um, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was really beautiful. Um, I also ate ice cream, and that was really fun. Um, my junk, I'll jump to junk. My junk is that a lot of people I know right now have cancer. Um, mm. And so a lot of my prayers have been consumed with that. And so um, pray for everybody that has cancer or the families that are struggling with people that have cancer. Um, so a lot of my junk is consumed with that. And then my Jesus moment was actually last night we had XLT. Um, and three of my confirmation boys were there, and I don't, how do I put this nicely? (laughs) They are very rambunctious and mischievous, (laughs) um, but my Jesus moment was we had ended XLT, and there was a line for or for confession, I'm sorry, and... They were the last three in line, and they waited 45 minutes after the event was done to go to confession. Wow. And it was so beautiful, and they were, like I said, they're mischievous and hilarious at the same time. They were running around the hall with a broom, sweeping the hall because their souls were clean, so they thought the hall should be clean. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that was my joy, my joke, and then my Jesus moment. It was really beautiful to witness. That is awesome. Um, let's see. My joy is my wife and I are going to England for New Year's, which yeah. is super exciting. We haven't been on a vacation since our honeymoon. Um, so that's going to be really, really fun. Um, my junk is that we're also in the process of uh, looking to buy a house and... Um, Paperwork is so much fun and waiting and all these different things and all these different forms that are needed and stuff. So um, just trying to trust God in that big decision of life. And then my Jesus moment, um, last night we had a a confirmation meeting at our parish and all this stuff was due for our upcoming retreat and I just had piles and piles and piles of paperwork and checks and all these different things. And so one of my leaders, Izzy, shout out to Izzy, my fantastic leader, um, stuck around until like 10.30 to help me sort through all of it and get it all filed and everything. So I was so grateful for her. Um, So yeah. So today we're going to talk about 
um, prayer. But we're not just going to talk about what prayer is, specifically about this verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, where uh, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And I don't know about you, but the first time I read that, I was like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I am busy. No I have a life. I can't be, you know, walking around on my knees 24-7 because <laughs> I got, you know, people to see, things to do. Um, <clears throat> and so that's not, you know, that's not what this verse is talking about. But I think in order to explain or live up to this challenge, we have to first establish, like, what is prayer? And what are the common misconceptions or mistaken approaches that we have to prayer? Um, so first and foremost, prayer is a relationship. Um, one of my favorite sayings, I think it's um, Mark Hart who said it, prayer is not part of our relationship with God, it is our relationship with God. Uh, and yet sometimes we forget that. We just think like, oh, I can have a relationship with God just by being nice or just by, you know, going and attending church. But like, if you're not talking to him, then it's just, you're kind of just being a stalker. You know, <laughs> like if there was a person in life that you were like, I'm around them all the time, but we never have a conversation. And I just, I know a lot about them. That's a stalker. So um, it's not a, a healthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're stalking God, that's better than nothing. It's, but yeah. Um, you know, don't apply that same thing to people, but um, (laughs) the whole fourth section of the catechism is about prayer. So if you have any like interest to know what the church teaches about prayer, like start there, especially if you want to read the catechism, it's a great place to start. Um, but one of my favorite chapters from that section talks about prayer as God's gift, as a covenant, as communion. It says, uh, this chapter, uh, or sorry, paragraph two, six, nine, seven of the catechism says prayer is the new is the life of the new heart it ought to animate us at every moment but we tend to forget him who is our life and our all and it goes on to say we cannot pray at all times if we do not if we do not pray at specific times consciously willing that these are the special times of christian prayer both in intensity and duration and so in order to pray without ceasing, we have to have this spirit of prayer, this relationship with God. So that's what we're talking about today. So Jenna, how do you see prayer as a relationship? Prayer as a relationship. Well, I mean, you talked about it. And I, I feel it in my own life that when I don't have that you know, duration of prayer or the intensity of prayer and I'm not going to chapel regularly, I realize that distance that I've put between me and God and that... Um, it truly is, it feels like you haven't talked to somebody in a really long time. And so when you go back, you're kind of like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> you are great. I suck. <laughs> um, We're not worthy. <laughs> We're not worthy. <laughs> um, and just realizing that it really, it takes work, um, but relationships also take work. And so yeah. that's why we need to be continually diving back into prayer and not just being like, hey, Jesus, you're cool. Bye. And leaving. But yeah. actually spending that time you would with a friend. Yeah, I think so often we 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 don't look at it like that, that type of relationship. Like, you know, we, we go into this conversation, and that's another thing that prayer is. Prayer is a conversation that, like, we go into this conversation so one-sided, mm. and then we totally ghost Jesus, like, all the time apart from that. Like, only when we need something. We're like that friend that only comes to their friend when they need something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... That's what we do to God all the time. And then we go to him in this conversation and we say, um, hey, God, long time no see. I need this, this, and this. Please bless this, this, and this. Oh, I need the answers to these questions. Okay, bye. And, you know, if someone were to come up to us like that in real life, we would be like, I do not want to be friends with this person. Like, they do not care at all what I have to say or to contribute to this conversation. Um, And so there's a lot to be said about listening in prayer, too. 
that um, having that time, like we all have that friend, like Jenna is that friend for me, that I can just sit with don't. and we don't have to say anything. Like we could just be doing homework near each other. <laughs> or we could just like time. sit and veg next to each other. <laughs> and we can have a great time because we're best friends and that's just how friends work, you know? And so you can do that with the Lord. Yeah. I love this this saying from um, St. John Vianney. Someone was asking him what he does in adoration all day. And he literally says, he said, nothing. I just look at him and he looks at me. Mm. And just this very simple glance, gesture toward God, like throughout the day, but very grounded in the sense that this is a relationship. This is a conversation that's two-sided um, and it needs to be in dialogue. And, you know, we're really good at our side of the conversation, but we don't always have um, time or allow for God to speak his side of it. Um, so there's some suggestions, I think, that we could do to, to kind of hear God's voice. Silence is huge. We're surrounded by noise all the so time. Um, stuff like meditation, contemplation, um, and looking to scripture. Scripture is where the word of God literally is present, living, and effective. Like, um, we're, we need look no further than, you know, his words there that have been given to us. Um, but also like spiritual reading and spiritual direction. We can hear God's voice in other people. Um, what do you think, Jenna? How do we, how do we hear that other side of the conversation? Really, lately, silence has been the, the largest one for me um, because our world is so loud. You know how you go into a quiet room sometimes and even the silence is deafening? Yeah, it's like you put earmuffs on or something. Yeah, and your ears ring and it's just, it's almost painful to sit in that silence. But we have to train ourselves to sit in that silence because God isn't loud. He mm-hmm. isn't a loud um, person. He just, he's very quiet and he's very peaceful and um he will encounter you in the noise when he needs to get your attention but you will encounter him the most in the silence Mm -hmm. and if you're not having that rhythm of prayer um and training yourself to kind of have that conversation with him you're gonna miss the majority of what he has to say to you especially if you're not reading scripture or um learning new meditations or contemplation um or diving into what the saints have said about their relationship with him. We're just going to miss everything. And there's so much out there for us to learn and read and dive into. Um, but if we're not actively seeking it, then we're just going to miss everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just, we have a culture that's growing more and more uncomfortable with silence. And I, I, I always say that I think that one of the devil's biggest tools is noise. That mm-hmm. he wants us to be completely deafened to the voice of God. And completely isolated from everything else or from that encounter. Um, Our patron saint, St. Charles Borromeo, um, said, We must meditate before, during, and after everything we do. And just having that sense or that that moment to just like rest in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, resting in the preparing, resting in enjoying when it's happening, and then reflecting back on it and resting after it's done. And we're not good at that at all. (laughs) So, but I think what's important to get out of this is there's no one right way to pray as long as you're having this conversation and you're committing to do it every day. Because something prayer isn't is it's not a chore. It's not a to-do list item. And we can kind of schedule it into our day and then mistakenly treat it like every other routine item where it's just like, cool, I got to get this done, check it off my list. And I'm guilty of this all all, all the time. Um, something I heard recently that really resonated with me was um, someone said, Catholics are taught how to repeat and not how to pray. 
And I was like, Psh, amen. Like, I know all of these repeated prayers that I say throughout the day and all these repeated things that I do every day as part of my routine, um, reflecting on the readings, journaling, all this stuff. But it becomes like most days these like line items on my to-do list that I just need to cross off. Um, and prayer doesn't have to be overly complex. Um, St. Therese of Lisieux said, prayer is a surge of the heart, a simple glance toward heaven. And just having that acknowledgement of like that relationship every single day is so important. Um, we have one of like the greatest repeated prayer, the Our Father, and I don't want to like dog repeated prayers. Like they they're great, you know. Like especially in the moments where we don't have the words, mm-hmm. or you really need to enter a space that you can really be reflective and meditative, and you don't want to have to think about what you're gonna say, uh, and really just enter into like a mystery of you know Christ's life and the Rosary or something like that. Um, but I think when God when Jesus offered us that prayer of the Our Father, it's not only a prayer that we can repeat, but it's a model of how we're supposed to pray. Um, so if you think about like um, <clears throat> the fact that he, he sets this prayer up, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So in our prayer, we should acknowledge and praise God for who he is. And then thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then we express a desire to seek his will above our own. Like God, your will be done, not mine. On earth as it is in heaven. And that expresses a desire to bring about his kingdom, to do, uh, be faithful to what he's calling us to. Give us this day our daily bread. We're asking him for our needs which we're really good at doing. We're definitely not going to forget to do that. Forgive us our trespasses. We ask him for the, the forgiveness from the things that we've done to turn from him. Um, and we acknowledge those who need our forgiveness. And we say, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then we ask for strength and temptation and protection from evil. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, maybe he was offering us a model as well as a prayer that we can repeat. Um, so it may seem counterintuitive that like when our prayer becomes stale or we see prayer as a to-do list item, um, having the spirit of, of prayer throughout the day can seem like, okay, if I'm barely praying at all or my prayer life really isn't good right now, how am I supposed to pray all throughout the day? Um, but it's just like spending more quality time with someone uh, will deep, deepen our relationship with them. Like if we're starting to date someone or we're starting to really get to know a really close friend, like having that um, constant time with them is something that's really going to strengthen us. Mm-hmm. Jenna, anything to add? I was just thinking how when I was in high school and I was on court team and I was a leader, <clears throat> when my youth minister used to ask us to um, pray with each other, it was terrifying because we were never taught how to pray out loud. Mm-hmm. And I hated, I hated it when she picked on me to pray for the whole group. Um, in front of large groups of people (laughs) but it's that repetition and it's that practice Um, and then if we taught this model of the Our Father of like how God taught us to pray and taught it in this way it would give people something to fall back on when they're Mm -hmm. terrified to pray out loud Um, but it would also teach us like we need to first acknowledge that he is good and he is God and then and then go into oh this is what I need Lord this is you know I know you know this already, but this is what my heart is desiring. Um, And then reminding ourselves that, oh, yeah, we have to ask him also for forgiveness, that Mm -hmm. we are sinners, that we don't deserve any of this, and we acknowledge those things. Just that process and those steps that we take, uh, I think would take a lot of fear out of our hearts of praying out loud because we kind of would know, oh, okay, this is how we should be approaching God. And prayer isn't something to be terrified of. You can completely scratch this whole thing and not even use it and just go, okay, Lord, um, this is how my day went, and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. but 
just knowing that the, the structure is kind of here for us you know, to teach us how to pray to him. Yeah. And come to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to point out too is just uh, pray how you feel comfortable praying. You know, mm-hmm. like use titles for God that are familiar to you that make you feel like he's close that he is a friend, that he is a father, that he is someone that you can talk to, that he is savior, um, and that you can you know trust him with anything. Use that type of conversation that's going to be best for you. Um, so we're not advocating for this specifically being the type of prayer to help you throughout the day. We're going to get into that in a second. But um, using it maybe as a model, because everyone knows the Our Father. And you know if you're really called to pray in front of someone or over someone, maybe going through that in your head and seeing, okay, I'm trying to remember what each statement is saying and how can I say that in my own words for this person? Um, and all this is going to be in the show notes, so don't scramble to be writing it all down. You can find it all online on our website, manafoodforthat.com, or in the show notes of the podcast. But another prayer model that I wanted to share that a priest once taught me that's very, very simple is who do through. Who are you praying to? What do you want them to do? Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple. Who do through. It rhymes, easy to remember. Anytime you have to pray, you, know, you pick your who, Holy Spirit do. uh, Please come, fill this place, guide us in this moment through Christ our Lord. Amen. Simple prayer, simple formula, really easy to remember. Um, So how do we take this spirit of prayer as a relationship, as a conversation, not as a to-do list item or a chore, and how do we do it without ceasing? Um, And I think in order to do that, we have to talk about time and our priorities because there's so many, there will never be enough time. Everything will get in the way. Uh, But if you make prayer a part of your routine, It will continue to happen every day. But prayer isn't meant to simply be routine. It just simply needs to become part of our routine. So we don't want prayer to become like all the other routine items on our, you know, daily list, like brushing our teeth, like, okay, I got to brush my teeth, check that list off. (laughs) But like, it needs to just become a natural part of our day. So even when we find our favorite way to pray and make it part of our routine, we still can't be expected, obviously, to do it 24-7. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a job. I have to sleep Mm -hmm. and eat. And, you know, am I supposed to be thinking about prayers the whole time? Um, And so what what I think is that praying without ceasing, it's about being in this active relationship with God every single day. Having this constant awareness of His presence in, in us, in other people. It's the same thing like being married. Like, just because... I'm not with my wife right now talking about marriage. Like, I'm still married to my wife. And that's constantly part of who I am and constantly something that, like, is a lens through which I see the world, the lens through which I receive joy, the lens through which I experience life. Um, And so if that's something, if I'm really being an active participant in my marriage, it's something I'm conscious of at all times. You know, she's someone I'm thinking about and praying for throughout the day. Um, And so I want to share with you five habits of daily prayer. We can kind of make this relationship um, something that's part active part of the rest of our day. So, and these are, uh, I did not write these. I heard this in a talk like 10 years ago and I love them. Um, but I cannot for the life of me remember who gave it. So if it's you, <laughs> thank you and email me so I can give you proper credit. Um, but these aren't very overly complex things. Um, these are things you can do every day, um, that, You don't need to memorize anything new. These are just natural things that will bear fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life and model our life after the Our Father. So number one, wake up on time every day. Now, I know that probably was not what you were expecting. You're probably like, we need to pray the rosary or something like this. But the reason we do this is because immediately we're taking control of our day. We're commanding control of our day. We're not hitting the snooze button over and over and over again. And if that's something that's hard for you, something that I've found that works, 
is to write a name of someone you want to pray for on a post-it and put it on your alarm clock or on your phone. And when you go to hit that snooze button in the morning, you'll feel that post-it and you'll be like, oh, I got to get up this morning as a prayer for this person. Because often it's harder to do it for ourselves than it is for other people. Um, so waking up on time every day, it will bear the fruit of patience in your life because patience is the Latin word for suffering. And we all know how much suffering it takes to get up in the morning, at least for me. But it also models this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like, Lord, let me not be susceptible to the things of this world. Give me control so that I can rebuke myself against evil. What do you think about that, Jenna? Is it easy for you to wake up in the morning? Some mornings, yes. I am, I'm definitely a one alarm person that if my alarm goes off, I get up. Um, but it's not necessarily easy and it's not necessarily fun. Um, coffee is my friend. It's great. But um, I really, really like this commanding your day and, and taking charge of it and making sure that um, you're the one that is leading your life. And allowing God to lead it for you too, um, but not, you know, Satan saying no, be lazy and lay yeah. in your bed for thirty more minutes because you have five more alarms. That you can hit. <laughs> yes, there's that famous uh, graduation speech by that Marine who said like, make mm. your bed every day. Mm. It's it always goes around. It's different times of year on Facebook and stuff, but it's that same thing. Like if everything else goes wrong. You made your bed today. Like you did something you commanded control of. You accomplished something today. It's kind of a similar similar thing to that. I didn't I, make my bed today. You didn't? No. No. I make my bed every day, but <laughs> I am a, uh, a seven alarm type of person. So I can totally um, vouch for the fact that this is difficult. But it will definitely give you that con- control and command of your day. So wake up on time every day. Number two, the first word out of your mouth should be Jesus. And the last word is amen. And that's just to start and end your day in a prayer. Like the first word out of your mouth is Jesus, I give you this day. You've consecrated and anointed that day to the Lord immediately. This, you know, echoes the, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like you are my God, like this day is yours. I am yours. And this is going to bear the fruits of faithfulness and gentleness in our life. Like if we're anointing our day with the Lord in the name of the Lord, like we're going to be reminded from the very moment we wake up to be faithful and gentle. And if we're ending our day in amen, that means we're praying at the end of the day and reflecting on how was I faithful to the Lord today? How was I lacking in my faithfulness and my gentleness today? And how do I need to ask forgiveness for that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that this is just like, oh, Jesus, like the, like, like getting up, like saying it, you know, spitefully, like that's definitely not like just as a prayer, Jesus, I give you this day. Um, so wake up on time every day. First word out of your mouth is Jesus. Last word is amen. And that should also remind you to have those regular times during the day that you pray. Like, um, there are times that the church, uh, calls us to pray every single day, liturgy of the hours, but also uh, at noon, you could pray the Angelus, set an alarm on your phone to do that. At 3 p.m., praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, like little moments in the day that you can set alarms or kind of have that moment of prayer. Number three, deny yourself one thing every day. This kind of goes back to that control. This will bear the fruit of like self-control and peace in your life that you don't need to satisfy every urge. Um, You don't need to fall prey to that instant gratification type of happiness, but you're relying on the Lord for your needs. And so this echoes that give us this day our daily bread. Um, And it goes back to, you know, the perpetual type of fasting that was part of the church that we don't really have anymore. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think that self-control is something that we greatly lack in this society because we are such a society of um, immediate gratification and fulfillment and um, in the small things and so 
that one little thing, just saying, okay, I'm not going to go on Instagram today, or I'm not going to have a suite today, or I'm not going to listen to my radio today, and just having that self-control to not do that thing, that one thing just for that day, um, gives you and trains you to have more self-control throughout the day so that you can sacrifice it to the Lord and say, this is yours. Um, you know, I may, may be painful not to drink a cup of coffee in the morning, yeah. but here it is. Yes. And to all the teens listening, homework is not one of the things that you can give no. up every day. No. Okay. We get that question every Lent. Again, not <laughs> legit. All right. So number four, do one act of service every day without a thank you. And this can be something as simple as like um, opening the door for someone or picking up a piece of trash that you see on the sidewalk, um, you know, um, picking up something that someone dropped, um, you know, anything, just having that spirit of service throughout the day. Um, this really brings about the kingdom, you know, echoes that line of the Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we are um, acting on behalf of God in small little ways, bearing the fruits of love and joy and generosity in our daily life. And that can really give us that spirit of gratitude um, that we often miss every single day. And this relates to the fifth one, which is do one act of gratitude every day for someone who normally doesn't get thanked. So this is for the people maybe in your life that are, you know, the people that work in the lunchroom or at your schools or at your job, um, you know, the cleaning staff or the barista that makes your coffee or the crossing guard on your way to work or, um, you know, all these other people that we pass every single day that probably never get thanked um, for the things that they do and the sacrifices they make. Um, and this echoes that line of the Our Father, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Like, we cannot be people of forgiveness if we're not people of gratitude, and this will bear that fruit of kindness in our life um, every single day. I think uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, who we're going to talk about today, beautifully embodies these five daily habits of oh, prayer yeah. so greatly and so beautifully. Um, we'll get into that, but did you have any last comments about um, you know, I, I wanted to share all those fruits because they're listed in Scripture, actually, as the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul shares, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such there is no law. And like if we practice these things, like the fruits of the Spirit are all going to be born into our life. But also we're going to be commanding control of our day. We're going to be living in a spirit of prayer throughout the day that's going to remind us to have those scheduled times. But also just the spirit of gratitude, forgiveness, control, peace, all these different things that we desire so regularly is just going to become natural part of our routine. Mm-hmm. So, as Jenna said, someone who we think embodies this daily spirit of prayer is St. Therese of Lisieux. So, Jenna, tell us a little bit about our saint for this episode. I love her. She's (laughs) so cool. Um, She's so great. I don't know. She just, there's so many little things that I could talk about, and there's so much. And I was having such a hard time just condensing all of the information about her life. But some things you might not know about St. Therese. She was born in France on January 2nd, 1873 to a loving mother and father. Um, something funny about her mom and her dad, They, her mom originally wanted to be a saint and her dad wanted to be a monk. And so when they got married, they vowed to be celibate in marriage. Um, and a priest told them that that wasn't how God wanted marriage. <laughs> and so it said they did the complete opposite of celibacy and they had nine children, five of which um, lived and survived, one of which was St. Therese. Um, and so they had five beautiful girls, and St. Therese grew up um, 
she was sick when she was born, and so for about a year and a half, she had a nurse, and this kind of caused her to be very stubborn and um, just like a force to reckon with when she was born, and she kind of did what she wanted, and she was super stubborn as she grew up, and her mom just said that, you know, she was a loving soul, and she was beautiful, but man, was she stubborn. (laughs) If she wanted something, you could lock her in the room all day, and she wouldn't change her mind. She just was... Mm, I don't know anyone like that. Me! (laughs) (laughs) This is probably why I love her so much, because she's so stubborn. Um... And unfortunately, when she was four years old, her mom passed away from uh, breast cancer. And so her four sisters ended up raising her. Eventually, her uh, three oldest sisters entered the Carmelites, um, leaving Celine and Therese with her father. And so due to um, all of this, her sisters leaving, her mom (coughs) passing away, um, this caused... St. Therese to kind of become very, very sensitive and pull inward towards herself. And um, if she even thought of going against somebody or somebody not liking her or her father saying something towards her, it would just cause her to break out into like a full tantrum and cry. And she had a ton of outbursts. And so growing up, um, it was a little bit tough with her. And so when she was... Um, it was Christmas Eve on 1886, and this was the day that St. Therese said that she had her conversion because she had been praying um, to God, asking him to take these outbursts away because she just couldn't control them. She just was so broken inside from losing her mom at such a young age and her sisters leaving um, that she prayed very fervently for this to go away and for her heart to stop being so selfish and look outward more. And so on Christmas Eve... Um, it was customary to put um, Christmas gifts in the little kids, like small children, their shoes. And because Therese didn't really grow up until later in her (laughs) life, um, it was still something that her sister would do. And so her dad saw that her sister had done that and said, man, I am so excited for this not to happen next year. Kind of a very harsh Mm. um, comment. And Therese heard it, turned around, and um, withheld her tears and still was very joyful about the gifts. And she realized in that moment that God had he was beginning to heal her heart. And mm. so she calls that her conversion day. And so at the early age of 14, St. Therese decided that she wanted to join the Carmelites. So she went to the Carmelite authorities and she asked if she could join. And they said, no, you're going to wait till you're 21. You're too young. You can't do this. And she would not take it. Um, And so they said, well, you can always try and go talk to the bishop. And so (laughs) that wasn't a comment to tell her because she's very stubborn. And so she went to the bishop. And the bishop also said, no, you're too young. I will consider it, but I'm going to have to think about it. And so he kind of tabled it. And um, Therese's father and sister took her to Rome trying to get her to think about something else and so in her mind she thought this was the perfect plan because who's in Rome? The Pope. Of course. And so she <laughs> she went to Rome, she um, ran around, she touched relics that she wasn't supposed to touch um, and she was just kind of crazy and then she had an audience with the Pope and they told her specifically, you cannot talk to him, do not say anything to him oh no, she did because that's she does the opposite of everything. She's like the embodiment of, can I speak to your manager, please? Yes, she is. (laughs) So 
So she ran up to the Pope, but she placed her hands on his knees, and she kneeled before him, and she begged him to let her become a Carmelite sister. And he kind of looked at her and said, um, have you talked to the authorities for this? And she said, yes. They said no. And she said, or he said, well, you must listen to God's will, and you must listen to them. And she left crying. Two um, guards actually had to carry her out. <laughs> this is the best story. I love it so oh, much. Had to carry her out. And so um, she was carried out. But this encounter, one of the priests that was there witnessed it and had her approved to join the Carmelites. And so in 1888, she was received into... Um, the sisters, and St. Therese never was noticed as anything significant And when she was living her life there. She lived a very hidden, simple life of prayer that was gr- um, gifted with great intimacy with our Lord. She believed that what matters in life is not great deeds, but great love. And she truly, truly lived this out. She also believed that she was not... Um, a uh, person that was going to do anything grand or large. And so she lived out her life in very, very small, hidden ways. Um, And it it goes along so beautifully with this pray without ceasing because she externally was nothing significant, but inward she would make these very, very small sacrifices that were very daily sacrifices. It was as simple as she wouldn't like a sister because there was one sister that really didn't like St. Therese and she <laughs> kept dumping hot water into her face. Not once, not twice, but daily she would dump it and wow. she just kind of would stand back and smile and walk away even though she had that tantrum and yeah. that like um, fervor inside of her that just wanted to have that outburst. Um, but she was very, very aware of her littleness and she said, it is impossible for me to grow up so I must bear with myself such as I am with all my imperfections. But I want to seek out a means of going to heaven by a little way, a way that is very straight, very short, and totally new. So daily she made these small sacrifices. Um, She took every single chance she could get to make these sacrifices, and she did them without a thank you, an acknowledgement. Um, No one knew that she was doing them. She wrote these all down in her journal, and she was called the Little Flower, Um, One, because she loved flowers and she saw herself as a little flower of Jesus who gave glory to God by just being her beautiful self among all the other flowers in God's garden. Mm. And it's just so beautiful because she just was who she was. And she was who God created her to be. And she knew that she may not be doing anything grand or significant, but her spiritual life was so strong in her prayer. Um, She wasn't outward about it. She didn't show others like, look what I'm doing. I'm doing the rosary every single five seconds. Um, that'd be really fast rosary. (laughs) Hmm. Um, but she wasn't outward about it and she just was very inward and she had her respect for all her other sisters, even though they may not have seen her as anything significant. And so, um, she died on September 30th, 1897 and her journal that she was writing in when her sisters began to read it, they they began to see the beautiful life that she lived and how greatly she lived. And so um, they published it September 30th, um, 1898. And this so greatly impacted everybody that read it um, that she 
started having all these crazy miracles and um, she began canonized on May 17th, 1925 because of just the significant amount of um, effect she's had on the Catholic Church. And she is now considered a doctor of the church because of her teachings on spirituality and just how she lived in small ways and knowing that we do not need to be having these grand miracles in order to become saints. Yeah. We can do everything in such small ways. Our prayer doesn't need to be loud. Our prayer doesn't need to be grand and um, large, but it can be very small, just like she was. Just the little flower that was so beautiful. And she said, My whole strength lies in prayer and sacrifice. These are my invisible arms. They can move hearts far better than words. I know it by experience. Wow, that's beautiful. It just reminds me of that quote from earlier, like prayer is a, a surge of the heart, a simple glance toward heaven. Mm-hmm. And so living out this daily prayer life, these habits of prayer is about just that simple glance toward heaven, that relationship, that conversation every day. And so if that's something that you need to start, I just want to encourage you to do that in whatever way um, you feel most comfortable. Um, that prayer doesn't have to be this way or that way. It just needs to happen. It just needs to be mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's our life force. It's our fuel. Um, and if we're not praying, then we're going to have this sense of um, staleness in life and lack of control, lack of fulfillment, lack of joy, um, because we're not communicating with the person who knows us, loves us, and created us. Mm-hmm. And so St. Therese is a beautiful model, I think, for us to, to follow. You know, The most recently to have lived doctor of the church, one of only five female doctors of the church, I believe, uh, and a really beautiful way to see how we can <clears throat> live out the the words of Mother Teresa, you know, doing small things with great love. Uh, or was that Therese? I can't remember who said that. What did she say? Doing small things with great love. Oh, smack. I she think said, that was Mother Teresa. It's it's quoted by her, but I think I've Maybe Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa said it too. Yeah, she said it too. Because I was very confused when I read it from her, but they both have said it. Well, they both are awesome, so we'll listen to both of them. So, thank you guys for listening. Remember, all of this can be found in the show notes. Um, And so, you know, we want to hear your feedback. You know, put these things into practice. Let us know how they start impacting your life. Um, Or if you have questions or things that you wish that we would have elaborated more on, maybe we can do another episode or follow-up blog. Mm -hmm. We do have blogs on our website on manafoodforthought.com as well as vlogs. Um, We're about to do one on Advent. Um, And so we uh, are praying for you as we prepare to enter into the season of Advent. Please rate and review this podcast. Share it with anyone who you think could benefit from it. Um, And if you want to support us on Patreon, you know, we just had Giving Tuesday, um, you know, from like Cyber Monday and Black Friday and, you know, Blue Thursday or whatever. I don't know. That's something I just made up, but maybe we can make it happen. Um, so if today is Thursday, so. There we go. Mana, Brown Thursday, because Mana is brown. Brown Thursday. Brown Thursday. This sounds really depressing. That's not a <laughs> um, But if you want to support us financially on Patreon and allow us to do new exciting things, create merchandise and and all these different things, we would love to do that. So head over to our website and you'll find the link there uh, as well as in our show notes. And follow us on social media. Uh, Check us uh, out on on manafoodforthought.com. And until next time, St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.